Hey guys, how's it going? I'm Mel from Mel Did It Herself, and I'm a social service worker turned furniture refinisher, DIYer, small business owner, and content creator. I've learned everything I know about these industries thanks to people who shared their knowledge on the internet, so I'm paying it forward by bringing you my tips, lessons learned, and sharing my journey in this space with you. So thank you so much for being here, being curious, and being a lifelong learner like me. Let's hop into it. What is up, my friends and fellow busy bees? How are you doing? I'm all fired up and high energy over here. I just got off of a Zoom call that made me pretty fucking fired up. I'm involved in the TikTok Accelerator program for Indigenous creators, and it's being put on by TikTok Canada and the National Screen Institute of Canada. And we just had our first session and met everybody and... I'm just feeling like very high energy. It's really like inspiring to see other people who are doing their thing and pursuing whatever they want, you know, like just learning, always learning. It's always great. Anyways, I hope you're doing well and looking forward to talking about one of my favorite hobbies, which is thrifting. Although I've definitely seen thrift stores change and evolve over the last few years, I absolutely love spending a few hours in an afternoon with my AirPods in, podcast on, or playlist, and flitting through the clothing racks and the aisles of a thrift store, absolutely turning the place from top to bottom. Because if you weren't already aware, that is absolutely the way to find the best stuff while thrifting. You got to take the time and look top to bottom every single rack in that store to find the best finds. But although well over half of my wardrobe is comprised of pre-loved finds, and I have been complimented on more than one occasion about my ability to find great thrifted fashion finds, just a little humble brag, uh, today's episode is specifically about looking for furniture to make over at thrift stores and things to look at and look for when you're debating whether or not to grab it to flip. I've definitely noticed thrift store pricing being more hit and miss lately because I think they've just finally caught on that they're more trendy now. And so naturally in our capitalist society, they want to profit off of that. So I can't really blame them, although it is almost laughable. Some of the prices that I've seen on some dressers and like bigger items in some thrift stores lately, especially Value Village, which has apparently been recently acquired by Walmart. Fun fact. So that makes sense why we're seeing a shift in some of their pricing structures. But there are some really decent finds on their furniture pieces. Like the other day I popped in when I was running an errand nearby and I found an old waterfall dresser in pretty decent condition for like $25. So that's more realistic than the $200 price tags I've come across before, which were a hard no for me. So I guess that makes my first tip be to look at the price tag because regardless of the quality and the condition of the piece, that could potentially be a deal breaker right off the bat when you're looking for something in a thrift store. One thing I do appreciate about getting pieces from the thrift store is that you have the piece in front of you without a sales associate breathing down your neck. So you really get the chance to check the piece out a little bit more thoroughly in order to make an informed decision about the purchase. Realistically, when I'm buying a piece off of Facebook Marketplace, I'm asking the questions to the seller and hoping that they're being truthful when I ask about damage or smells and hoping that they're knowledgeable enough when I ask what the item is made of. But I often end up sending money before I even go to pick up the piece. So 
Once I get there and check out the piece, the likelihood of me changing my mind and deciding it's not worth my time and requesting a refund definitely decreases simply due to my laziness, which is why I actually don't look on Marketplace all that much anymore for pieces. That and the fact that people are trying to sell pieces that are great for a refinishing project and then listing it at $300. Again, everyone's just trying to make a buck, whatever. So when you're standing there in the thrift store, just take that time to really thoroughly check the piece out and make sure that it will make for a good flip. It won't be too annoying or outside of your wheelhouse of your capabilities and won't cause you any problems. So some things that you're going to want to look out for. Number one, and probably like the first thing to do, because if it's absolutely foul, again, it might be a quick deal breaker, but check out how it smells. There are definitely lots of hacks on how to get rid of certain odors that might exist in furniture. You'll often come across pieces that are just like a little bit musty and just kind of smell old or like they were maybe in your grandparents' house at one point in time. That's not a big deal. That's very easily to get rid of, easily masked. But some things that can be a little bit more tricky, if not sometimes impossible to get out. I won't say impossible. Definitely tricky though. You're going to have to put time and effort and resources in are things like, if it smells like cat pee, I've had that before, very hard to get out, very lingering scent, that one, and cigarettes, smoke, can be harder to get rid of, that's all I'm going to say, so check it out, assess whether or not you can handle whatever you're smelling, and go from there. Another big thing to look at initially is the overall structure of the piece. Like, is it sturdy? Is it all together? Is it wobbling? If it is wobbling, is it just because, you know, maybe it's missing one of the pads at the bottom of the furniture piece on the legs, you know, the things so it doesn't scratch your floor? Or is it because the whole structure is barely hanging on by a thread? So that might be something that's going to take a little bit more time and you're going to have to invest some energy into maybe just tightening screws or maybe redoing the whole structure. You don't know, but you have the time. So take the time, pull out the drawers, open things up, look at what you got to look at and see if it's something that you have the ability to tackle or if it looks like something that's fairly straightforward that you could YouTube or Google it and figure it out yourself. Another thing is looking for signs of damage. So number one, water damage is a big one, especially if it's not a solid wood piece, because if there's been water damage on MDF or pressed board and those kinds of materials, it can make it kind of crumbly or affect it a lot more than it would for solid wood that got wet and then dried. Let's put it that way. So that can, again, affect the structural integrity of the piece. And again, it might be something that you don't want to put the time and energy or research into repairing, especially if it's already kind of a high price point. You know, sometimes if there's something and it's like $5 and I can tell that there's some things that would take a little bit more time than the average flip, that's usually something that I'm willing, depending how full my garage already is with inventory, giving myself a pat on the back right now because it's looking pretty good compared to what it was about six months ago. But if I don't have a lot of pieces in there and I know that I'm going to get a little bit antsy and want to start something soon, I'll grab something if it's like $5 and might need a little bit more repairs because the cost benefit analysis of that leans in that direction for me. So take a look at it for water damage and just for damage in general. So again, you have the time. So get down, look at it on all angles, look at the back. You can flip it over if you need to, like just check it out and see if there's any other damage. Again, that might be outside of your wheelhouse or that might require you to take an excessive amount of time to repair. 
So once you do these kinds of assessments and you deem it to be in good enough shape for you, now we want to look at like the piece as a whole. And is this something that A, is worth the price tag or B, is valuable and something that I can flip and that will sell? So you can obviously get pieces made of whatever material. I am not a big fan of people who are very anti anything that isn't solid wood furniture. I definitely hear it a lot more in the furniture painting and refinishing community or people who are against that community, maybe people who show up on social media in that space. Let's put it that way. Um, a lot more than I've ever heard it in my general day-to-day life. I've never heard someone talk shit about something made from actually that's a lie. One of my recent clients is not a fan of MDF and makes it known. But other than that, I have not heard anybody ever say anything about laminate pieces, that kind of stuff. My friend has a bedroom set that I'm helping her to paint right now. It's laminate. She's had it since she was like two. She's 31. You know, it lasts. It's in great shape and it can still be refinished. So yes, look for solid wood furniture that is typically more well-made and longer lasting and could mean that it's a really old piece as well, which could up its value. And overall, you probably can charge a little bit more for pieces that are that solid wood. And some people will seek that out specifically. But personally, I don't think it immediately needs to be a no-go if you take a look at it and realize that it's maybe MDF with a veneer on top or maybe sometimes it's a solid wood piece with just a veneer on top too and some people don't like that in terms of refinishers who are refinishing it so just take a look at what the piece is made of and again take that into your consideration everybody is so different and I don't want to say that one thing is better or worse than the other because who fucking cares we're painting and like sanding and staining furniture you know we're not saving lives here do what makes you happy it's your business it's your life Another thing I forgot to mention at kind of like the beginning of you checking out the piece is to take a peek at the measurements because sometimes for me that could be the difference of me getting a piece or not if it will fit in my vehicle. I always keep a tape measure in my purse for this reason because often when I'm popping into a thrift store to take a look at their furniture, it's not a planned visit. I'm just going by and popping in. So I always have a tape measure handy, but have an idea of what fits into your vehicle size-wise. For me, 59 inches long is the max. I've gotten something that was like 61, 62, but couldn't get the back door all the way closed. And I have a horrific alarm that goes off if that thing is not closed. So that was a fun drive home. So now I know 59 inches long max. Uh, So figure out what your number is in your vehicle. You can obviously always rent a vehicle. I always like to point out the hack of going to either Home Depot or Lowe's. In my area, they rent out like cargo vans at different sizes. So for a small cargo van, you can rent it for 90 minutes for like 20 or $25, which is perfect. That's the amount of time I would only ever need to pick up a furniture piece and bring it to my house. And if it's a really solid piece, one that I know that I can sell for, you know, a lot more than I normally would, and it's an affordable price, but it won't fit in my vehicle, I might pay for it and then come back after I rent the van because realistically that's an expense that's not super large, but could be the difference of me getting it home or not, right? And also some thrift stores offer delivery options as well. Sometimes, uh, I think every time actually you have to pay a little bit more for it from what I've seen, but the options there. And the great thing about getting furniture at the thrift store is you usually aren't the one that has to load it. More often than not, I've had people call some guys from the back, they come up, they put it in my vehicle. I'm just like supervising, you know, it's perfect. 
So be sure to check the measurements and then take that into account and the fact that you might have to create another game plan to get it home if it's one that you really want but exceeds the measurements that would fit in your vehicle. Or make friends with somebody with a truck or a van. Very useful solution. Okay, and then other things you might want to look at or look for when you are thrifting and you're looking at furniture pieces is different signs of it being a more sought after piece because those are the things that you can market when you are selling the piece after you refinish it. So if it is handmade, if there's a maker's mark or papers attached to or on the piece somewhere, take a look for that. You can always Google it to find out more about the company or, you know, how expensive those pieces typically go for. Because sometimes, you know, people pass away or whatever happens and people are just trying to get rid of their furniture or their loved one's furniture quick. So they might just donate it all to a thrift store and not have looked into the furniture and how valuable it is or isn't. Or they just might not want to have to deal with it and just need it out of there because they have bigger fish to fry, right? So sometimes you can come across really beautiful pieces that are a big name in the maker's world. So I always find it good to have my phone handy so that I can look that up. And also looking for other indicators of it being an antique piece or, you know, one that was made however long ago. So often looking at the joinery can indicate this. So typically, you know, when you pull out drawers on the side of drawers, just beside the, like the drawer front, you will be able to see the joinery. So one that you've probably seen a lot of are dovetail joints. So that's kind of, how do I describe it? You know when you put your fingers, your hands together and you kind of like, so it's interlocking and it's kind of like cut out like little squares cut out of the end of the pieces and they lock together and it creates a really stable, solid connection between the two pieces of material. So those dovetail joints you typically see on older furniture pieces. However, they can be mass manufactured today. So it doesn't always indicate an old piece, but one way that you can tell if it is an old piece is if those dovetail joints are not super uniform and you take a look and the one on the top is, you know, a perfect square, but then down lower, it's kind of at a weird angle. And the other piece that it's attached to it is at the other same weird angle, but it makes it fit that's likely an indicator of it being an older piece because that joinery used to be made by hand and as we know humans are fallible and they don't make things as precisely as a machine might so when you see that dovetail joinery that's not super uniform that's a great indicator that that could be an antique piece there's other types of joinery as well, like mortise and tenon, which is more like a piece wedged into another piece that has a hole in it, the exact shape and size as the end of that other piece, if that makes sense. So that's also replicated today, but it can, again, if, you, if it looks like it's hand cut, often means that it's quite an old piece. And um, there's also peg or nail joinery, which again is typically indicative of an older piece of furniture, which is where one piece of wood is stuck into like the socket of another and that locks it in place with either a nail that was made by hand, which you can usually tell again, because it looks less uniform, or sometimes there's a peg put in there to hold it in place as well. So keep an eye out for those kinds of indicators. Again, solid wood furniture is sometimes a great indicator as well of the age of the piece because that's just what they had back then. 
And my other recommendations when trying to thrift furniture is to go early and go often. So if you happen to know what time of day or what day of the week that your local thrift store puts out new inventory, make sure you're there. The earlier, the better in the day because nobody else has had the chance to go through it all. And if you're going often, then if they're putting pieces out midday or just here and there as other pieces are sold, you're going to be one of the first ones to see it. Again, it can be really hit and miss with thrift stores anyways, so just be weary of your time. If you're someone who does not have a lot of available time in your day, I always say to try and fit it in with something you're already doing. So one of the thrift stores near me is right beside uh, HomeSense, Winners, LCBO, and Michaels. So if ever I am going to one of those places oh and Sephora and Starbucks so like do I go anywhere else I don't know (laughs) the grocery store sometimes I suppose but if I'm in that plaza then I'll just pop in take a quick whip around the store and then that only takes another like three minutes out of my day versus making a full trip all the way out there for that one purpose that might not yield any results but maybe it will you never know that's kind of the fun of thrifting is like it's all about the chase you know And not that I care where you put your money, you do you. But like I said, some places like Value Village have been recently acquired by larger corporations. So if you're someone who goes to thrift stores because you think it's putting money back into your community and things like that, just look into the background of the places that are around you because that may not be the case. They may be for profit. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Again, (laughs) we live where we live. But if that's something that's important to you, I just recommend that you do your research into that. And often I notice that the smaller thrift stores that we have around here that are typically volunteer run, they usually have the best stuff anyways, and it's usually a lot cheaper. So keep your eyes out. And I don't know if I would ever make a dedicated podcast episode to this because it's just a little bit too off topic. But if you're interested in thrifting fashion and clothing... Uh, check out my TikTok because I give a lot of tips on there and whenever I'm thrifting and I find really nice pieces that wouldn't fit me or aren't my style but I can like envision an outfit for them I'll create a TikTok video where I kind of pull up photos of ways that you could style those pieces so if you're someone that finds it hard to you know create outfits and put things together that work well together or you go thrifting and you have no idea what to look for. Uh, I often like to share those kinds of tips on my TikTok because that's just my happy place where I share everything. So feel free to check that out if you are interested. And something that you may not know about me, I love little motivational messages. They literally always get me fired up and I keep a running list of ones that are especially catchy or speak to me in the notes app on my phone. So every podcast episode, I end with one of those that I've noted down over the years because I want you to leave here each week feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to take on whatever comes your way this week. So this week's Mel's motivational message is... Failure is another stepping stone to greatness. So the way to relate this to thrifting for furniture is if you find a piece and, you know, sometimes I get excited. I'm like, this is the best piece. How did I find this? It's so affordable. Like, you know, the Ikea commercial, like, start the car. That's me, truly. Especially if my husband's there. I'm like, we need to take it. We need to run. Like, I get it a little bit intense, maybe a little bit competitive. Who knows? But If you do that and you get that piece home and then you realize that there was something, you know, that maybe if you took the time to look over it with a fine tooth comb, you might have noticed that there's some damage or there's a smell or whatever it might be. It's not like the beautiful shiny thing that you thought it was. 
that's okay because that's something that you can take with you as a lesson learned you can then use that opportunity to learn a new skill or do some research. Maybe you find some new creators that do furniture painting and refinishing in the process. So things like that, when things don't go our way, that's fine. Take that as an opportunity to learn and do better next time. And it's just a stepping stone on your journey to where you're meant to be. And is that considered a failure? Not really, but if we look more widely at our lives, whatever it may be, if you reached out to somebody and, you know, shot your shot and it didn't work out, that's fine. Again, you're learning something. It's an experience that you can add to your cap and you can move forward and keep those lessons learned in mind. If you got your dream job and it turned out that it wasn't for you or you weren't excelling at it immediately like you thought you might, that's fine. All these things are just stepping stones to greatness, to the greatness that will be coming your way. I think it's so important to appreciate the journey while you're on it. And listen, I use the word journey and these bachelor and bachelorette and bachelor in paradise people have absolutely ruined the word because they overuse it. Fun fact, actually, I don't know where I heard this. I think it was, it was definitely from a previous, I was going to say contestant, but whatever person on The Bachelor, contestant is probably more accurate of a word. And they actually, when they're doing their little confessionals, if they call it a process or anything other than journey, they make them refilm it and say the word journey. So anyways, it's ruined that word for me, but I'm going to use it regardless. But if you're cringing because of that, just know that I'm aware of it, okay? Like I'm on the same page. But I do, I think it's important to appreciate the journey, all the little steps in between, because if you're only focused on where you're trying to go and that goal you're trying to achieve or quote unquote happiness that you're trying to get to or experience, A, what happens if God forbid your life ends before you reach that and you don't get to experience that and you haven't been living in the moment and appreciating all the little things up until that point, But also, why can't we appreciate and love and enjoy the day-to-day things, the small moments of success, the small things that are heartwarming or that you see that are beautiful? Like, take the time to really appreciate those and rack those in your brain because the more that you fire those neurons of appreciation and happiness, because reality check, happiness is just an emotion. It's not a state of being. So you might feel happy in that moment and it doesn't hurt to take a second and appreciate that. Even saying it out loud, like, wow, I'm really happy right now because that tells your brain, I'm enjoying this. It's gonna fire that serotonin, that dopamine. You're gonna get those feel-good drugs And then more and more, you're going to appreciate and you're going to recognize that in your everyday life. So if you're someone who tends to focus on the negatives or you're kind of just inherently pessimistic, that's a great way to bring that into your everyday life. And I guess it's just referred to as gratitude or whatever, but it really does make a difference. And appreciating those smaller wins and taking those failures and recognizing that it's still beneficial for you and positive and will have a positive impact when you look at the bigger high level image of your life. Remember, every single one of those failures is another stepping stone to greatness. And you don't know when you're going to reach that greatness. So you better appreciate it today because it's going to help you tomorrow. 
And if you are enjoying the podcast so far, I would love it if you would go to the podcast page on whatever platform that you're listening on today, leave it a rating out of five stars. And I would so appreciate it if you left a quick review, letting me know what you enjoy about the podcast, why you show up here every Thursday and listen in. And that's just going to help get this pushed out to more people who are interested in learning more about furniture makeovers, furniture painting and refinishing, who are looking for that motivation and they can join us on this furniture refinishing ride. All right, that's it for now. I appreciate your time and I'll catch you guys next week.